was your sense that the mother had an intuition about how to handle Kayla or that she was just doing that technique because it seemed to work? You know, because at any one time, one intervention may be what the child needs. What's your sense of what was going on? I I think the mother may, may have used the, the technique more in a mechanical way. Hmm. I don't know if uh, maybe she had read things or she had seen something on the internet. So yeah. she, she would use that. But I think it worked the first few times, but then it uh, uh, stopped working. I see. So that's we leave Kayla feeling like she really was not being understood or being taken seriously. Yes, yes. Welcome to the A Different Kind of Psychiatry podcast brought to you by the ACO. I'm Dr. Chris Burrett. Each month we feature a patient interview, case presentation, or interview or discussion with one or more of our doctors who practice a different kind of psychiatry. We're interested in your questions and comments, and I would love to hear your feedback. Send an email to aco at orgonomy.org. The best way to help the American College of Orgonomy spread its knowledge is by letting others know about us. If you enjoy the podcast, we'd appreciate you leaving a rating and review. If you're interested in attending one of our webinar presentations, you can meet the doctors and join in on the discussion afterwards. If you're interested in training with the ACO, you can learn more about the medical organ therapy or social ergonomy training programs. You can connect with us and learn more at ergonomy.org. This episode features the audio from one of our ACO case presentation series webinars. Salvatore Iacobello, MD, tells me about his six-year-old patient, Kayla, who is always energetic and demanding, but who became intolerably angry and aggressive during the COVID pandemic. Listen in to hear how Dr. Iacobello was able to help Kayla and learn how medical ergonomists use play therapy to connect with and help children and their families. Today's presentation is entitled, Using Play in the Therapy of an Angry Little Girl, presented by Dr. Salvatore Iacobello. Welcome, Dr. Iacobello. Thank you, Dr. Barry. Dr. Iacobello is a board-certified psychiatrist and a clinical associate of the ACO. He's in private practice in Fairfield, Connecticut, and he's an assistant editor of the Journal of Ergonomy. Dr. Iacobello, I'm really happy to have you here. I want to let the audience know that they can type in questions into the Q&A section at any time during the presentation, and we'll get to them at the end. Dr. Iacobello, how did you decide to present Kayla's story today? Well, I decided because I think it's an interesting case or treatment of a child we play uh, in the setting of, of organ therapy. Uh, also, is a good example of what are the interactions in a family between parents, siblings, and the child who is any, they identified the problem. And uh, last, because uh, of the good response that Kayla had to treatment. So can you tell us who is Kayla and how did she come to you for treatment? What was the problem? Well, Kayla is a little girl. She now, when she came to see me, she was five and a half years old. And this was during the COVID pandemic. 
Now mm -hmm. she's a couple of years older. And she came to me because the parents found me uh, referred by the, the insurance. The parents wanted Kela to see a child therapist because they felt that the behavior they were seeing were getting out of control. They were feeling overwhelmed too, and they didn't know what to do. What so, were the behaviors, Dr. Iacobello? What were the behaviors that were concerning them? Well, the, the behaviors were at the beginning were increased the defiance and stubbornness. Uh, Kela wouldn't listen to her parents. And then she would uh, escalate to the point of having full temper tantrums, crying, throwing herself on the floor. And eventually she, she had gotten it to the point of threatening to kill herself. Oh, wow. Say, I'm going to kill myself uh, with a butter knife. At, a, at another time, she had threatened to run away. So uh, the parents were concerned that the mother also had some anxiety about her daughter because she felt that her daughter was going to be like her own mother. And the, the mother had had a difficult relationship with her own mother who apparently had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. So there, there was a lot of anxiety in the family and the mother wanted to get professional help. I see. So can you tell us about the first appointment? Was that with uh, Kayla's parents? Was that with Kayla? How, how did it start? Well, first I met with, uh, with the parents. And uh, the first time I met with, with the mother and uh, I obtained the full history of uh, Kayla's behavioral problems, as well as uh, I got the developmental history. Mm -hmm. After that, I met Kayla, and then uh, I met the father uh, also by himself. The parents had a, a difficult work schedule. Uh, the mother was working from home due to the pandemic. The father uh, we not be at home that much because uh, he worked uh, with the transportation department. So I had to work around that. So the, the history, Kayla's history was significant for having been always a difficult child. Uh, actually, she had been difficult, according to mother, since when uh, she was in her womb. <laughs> really? Because that, that's what she would say. She was, she would get very restless in the last months of the pregnancy and we'd be kicking at the mother to the point that the mother had to hold her belly. Wow. So these and other signs, they told me that uh, I was, I had a child who was high energy who would be prone to, to protest when uh, something was wrong. And that uh, I felt that 
I was going to see a child with, with a high energy level. Yeah. So then when, it, uh, after she was born, she also was difficult, especially with sleep. In fact, Kayla, one of the other things was that she didn't want to sleep by herself. Mm. She wanted to sleep with her parents. She also had been prone to nightmares. And they, eventually they found a kind of solution for uh, where Kayla would be sleeping in the court uh, next to the parents' bed. So she would sleep in a cot next to their bed. Yeah, that was their they would temporary. try to have her to sleep in her room at first, but then during the night she she would get up. She would want to be with the parents, mm. and they come to that solution. Mm -hmm. uh, she also had been having difficult problems with being told no. Uh, she would cry. She would protest. Uh, at times, she, she could become aggressive, like uh, hitting her mother or her father with her head. But because she, she was small, these were... She was headbutting? Yeah, she was headbutting in a couple of occasions, wow. uh, the mother or the father. Uh, but eventually, at this point, with the pandemic, her behaviors had become more, more difficult. Now... The other part of the story was she was doing very well at school. Hmm. She didn't have behavioral problems at school. So she liked her, her teachers. She was getting along well with her peers. Uh, she also would go to daycare before the pandemic. And she was doing well uh, at the daycare. Dr. Iacobella, what was your initial impression when you heard that she was having all this trouble at home but doing very well in school? Well, I felt that there was something at home that was bothering Kayla. I felt that in some way, her emotional needs were not being met. Her need for contact was not being satisfied. In fact, there were also some statements she had been making, like, I hate my life, nobody loves me, or telling her mother, you, you hate me, you, you don't love me. Mm. So what I was seeing, just based on the history, I felt that I had a child with, with a high energy level uh, who, who was uh, with a strong will, who was going to fight and uh, was going to do whatever she needed to be listened. Yeah. So can you tell us about the first appointment with Kayla? What was that like when you first met her? Well, yeah, certainly. She, she, she came in... Uh, brought by her mother, and she, she was uh, nicely dressed in pink, in some way looking a little bit like a, a ballerina. And she was a little shy at the beginning, and, but then she soon warmed up, and she had a stuffed animal with her, 
that later she introduced to me. And at first she was shy, but then she came easily into the consultation room with me and she sat on the couch, although let's say she was leaning on the couch more than sitting. So, and we started to talk. So she soon warmed, warmed up, but I saw that she really didn't know what to make with herself by being there. So with children, usually what I do is I introduce myself or I may ask them if they know who I am or why they are coming. So she, she knew what, why she was coming. She said, that, well, that's because of my bad behavior. But besides that, she, she, didn't say, she didn't say that much. So at that point, uh, I felt that I just needed to interact with her and in KJ in play. And indeed, she has started to look around the, the office and seeing toys. And uh, she had this stuffed animal that was a, a unicorn, small. Is this her unicorn or one was that was in your office? No, that was a, a unicorn. She, she brought, brought it. So, so I say, well, who is that? Or she says, oh, that's, that's uni. She said, that's a, it's not a, st- a stuffed animal. It is real. Uh, her name is Uni. Uni was her sister. So we we started to interact and play uh, around that. And then she she went to look for the other toys. She wanted. A, I have some board games too. So I think the first time she showed interest for the board games, and uh, I went along playing with her. After that, she got bored of that, and I introduced the puppets, and I was starting to interact with her uh, using the puppets. And that's, I think, she was getting excited. She, in some ways, she liked interacting with me. Uh, It looked like soon she started to show some aggression, it didn't take that much before the puppets started to fight. Hmm. Actually, I will hold one puppet. She she will hold the other one, and they, she started to hit my puppet with her own. So, what I do in this situation usually is I start to comment on what's going on, trying to ask for explanations, and see what what comes out so she's a director and the actor and the actors and you're the narrator of the story as it goes yeah that's that's how it went she was throughout all the treatment she was the one who was in charge and i could just uh, go along with, with what she wanted to do mm-hmm. so and the, if she didn't like something she would let me know now, we, eventually, when she understood what it was about, she would come and she would say, well, let's pretend this. Let's 
pretend that. So we will play according to what she wanted to pretend. Dr. Jacobelli, you're talking about subsequent sessions that, yeah, that, that was established that you guys were going to play together. Right. It was, it was established that we were going to play together, and that's uh, what, was, what was the work we did. Mm-hmm. So was now, she, oh, Dr. Jacobelli, was she aggressive uh, outside of using the puppets? Was she directly aggressive with you or, or with your office? With the time, she showed she showed also some aggression toward me. Uh, I have some swimming pool noodles in the office, and eventually, but this more during the second part of the therapy, she wanted to fight with them. We'll have a sword fight, but also there there were occasions when she actually was. Uh, punching me or wanting to to hit me. How did you handle that? Well, I would just uh, I would just let her do it and uh, encourage the expression of, of that aggression. And at the same time, when I, I had the opportunity, we tried to to make sense of what uh, of what was happening. Mm. So I got to know her. Uh, fairly well through the game and the play, it became clear that she didn't like to think about uh, her behavior at home. Mm. That was something that uh, she wouldn't want to go there. And uh, I didn't didn't do anything about that. Uh, She wanted to, in some way, to maintain uh, the the play relationship the the way it was. Dr. Iacobella, what you said strikes me because I've been in the circumstance where um, there might be this expectation, like if you explain to the child, you know, that behavior is unacceptable at home, that, you know, you're going to get through to them as the the party outside the family. And in my experience is it doesn't work that way. Yeah, that, that's how it is. With children, it, it doesn't work to, to talk with them about what may happen at home and what their behavior is or what they should do. Mm-hmm. I felt that in a case there were three components to the therapy, to the work with her. One was to make contact with her and the pay attention to her and listen to her, accepting her for who she was. Mm-hmm. The other point was to allow her the expression of this aggression that was coming. And number three was to help her to improve her self-perception and to get in touch with what she was doing. How did you do that? Well, one way was by being present with her and interacting to, with her and listening to her so she could have the sense that I was there for her. Because at home, I felt that she was not getting much attention, especially during the pandemic. The mother was working during the day. The father was not at home. The brother, who was 
like six years older than her, was not really that much available mm. to her. And that's, that was another part of the treatment, you know, the siblings rivalry. Rivalry between her and her brother? Right. Uh, siblings rivalry and the, the competition for who was going to have the attention of the parents. Ah. So that, that was a, an important thing. So now she, she had me here all for her and she could do whatever she wanted. Mm. So how, how did you work with her parents in addressing these aspects beyond just working with her directly? Well, we, with the parents, uh, I met with them uh, several times, uh, either individually with the parents when they could come, and also uh, by video sessions to have them, both of them together. Mm -hmm. So what uh, from the beginning, what I, I saw was that there was a pattern where I felt that the father was a little bit the disciplinarian, the one who was stricter and the will enforce the rules. The mother on the other side was the main person who was taking care of Kela, and she would take the, the brand of the uh, oppositionality or, or the defiance. At the same time, we tried to engage her. But one of the things the mother did many times was to just play around with her. And I can say more about that later. But I felt that she needed more attention from the father, mm. who was not that much available to her. On the other side, the father would spend more time with the son, who was involved in sports. So I started to point that out to them. And I think that the father was pretty receptive to this. So it led to the father being more flexible, not being as much you know, the strong voice, enforcing the rules, sending her to the room, but just trying to engage her. And uh, I think that resulted in, uh, in great improvement, just that alone. So Dr. Iacobella, if I'm hearing you correctly, he was just physically less present. He might be away at work or with the brother. And then the times that he was there, he was falling into that disciplinarian role. So it wasn't quality interaction with, with his daughter. Right, right. Well, it wasn't. And because there were many opportunities for Kela to get uh, unhappy or to protest about Sami, mm -hmm. yeah, because she couldn't get Sami or because her brother did Sami, so she would get a lot of that. Mm. So I, I think that that intervention was very important. But also the, the aggression started to, to come out uh, during the sessions because most of the time the sessions will end up with some level of aggression. Either she will start to, to have, a, besides the puppet, uh, I also have uh, small dolls or small characters. So, and she will make them fight, mm. or then she will throw them away, she will punish them. 
she also will become aggressive to, toward the uni. And on few occasions, she threw uni under the, the couch. And I'll be wondering what was that about? Yeah. What uni had done? I will, I will not get much of a follow-up in my questions, but I, I think I was trying to create that kind of atmosphere of consideration. Yes. And Dr. Iacobelli, you mentioned um, how helpful it was with father to help him to be more present. What work did you have to do with mother? Well, we, we mother, I think I, I mostly had to educate her to help her understand what Kara was going through and how she felt that uh, she was not getting enough attention from the parents. Mm. So, and also I, I had to reduce mother anxiety because she felt that there was something deeply wrong or with uh, her daughter. So in some way I had to help her to understand that the, the reactions in some way were understandable. In the past, before the mother came to see me, she, she had been trying to do things like uh, if Kela will have a temper tantrum, the, the mother actually pretend also to have a temper tantrum. And they, she, she had been going so far as to throw herself on the floor and have a temper tantrum herself. So that's, uh, we, we take the, the charge in some way off from Kela, who then we say, oh, that's not right, that's not fair. You cannot have temper tantrums. I'm the one who has to have temper tantrums. So what effect did that have on Kayla when mother did that? Well, I, I, we diffused the temper tantrum. So it, that's, it worked for the time being, but then it started not to work any longer. Another time when Kayla had threatened to run away, the mother or we say, okay, well, uh, how you are you going to do it? Let's see how you are going to do it. And then, uh, it, it, of course, we, we come to nothing. But uh, although this had worked, the now was not working any longer. So I started to work uh, with mother to help her to understand that indeed she had to accept what Kela was feeling. And uh, just... Uh, empathizing with her about the feeling if she was angry or if she was sad uh, instead of just uh, trying to uh, to avoid whatever feelings that Kayla was having. Dr. Iacobello, was your sense that the mother had an intuition about how to handle Kayla or that she was just doing that technique because it seemed to work? You know, because at any one time, one intervention may be what the child needs. What's your sense of what was going on? I, I think the mother may, may have used the, the technique more in a mechanical way. Hmm. I don't know if maybe she had read things or she had seen something on the internet. So yeah. she, she would use that. But I think you worked the first few times, but then uh, he stopped working. I see. So that's we leave Kayla feeling like she really was not being 
understood or being taken seriously. Yes, yes. Hmm. So you, go ahead. So I, I was saying that different, uh, you know, uh, teams came out during the play, and uh, you know there, there was aggression. Uh, there was also eventually she started to bring up uh, teams connected to boys and girls and sleeping sleeping together. Then it shed two figurines kissing each other. But then she says, oh, that, but that's not something you're supposed to do. Mm. And she drew them away. So I was seeing a lot of ambivalence there. And also I saw that there was a pattern in her play. There was, she would play something and then she would stop and we want to do something else. So I interpreted that as some level of anxiety that will emerge and therefore she, she, she had to change. Yeah, I was curious. You mentioned that she was having nightmares, would have trouble sleeping on her own. Did her fear and anxiety come out in the play or interactions with you? No, not directly. The fear, because I think the, the main resistances I was seeing were, you know, avoidance and denial. And they should make that very clear, especially at the end. I don't want to talk about that. That's it. There was no, nothing I could do about it. So she wouldn't just and ignore you. She would say, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that. Hmm. But that was more toward the end. And I think I see that as a progress because now she was able to say. Yes. So the, the play also changed the nature. It became more organized. So now she would want to play different parts. We will have a competition. It would be competition, drawing competitions, or it would be uh, competitions about building something, or she would be the teacher, and they should tell her what to do. So and we, we did a lot of coloring and uh, cutting papers, gluing things. So I saw that as a progress where the aggression was starting to become more organized. It was not coming out directly as a disorganized behavior. And was there competition at home? Well, the, the competition at home eventually became a competition with the mother for father's attention. Ah. And then it, it became also competition with the brother. And she had very strong feelings about this. And she would play eventually once first the father was giving her more attention, more time. So then her father, she felt her father was on her side. Mm -hmm. So now she became smart to manipulate the situation using other support against the mother when she wanted to get whatever she wanted. So then I took to work with the mother to, to look to see how she could manage this situation.
On the other side, the mother also felt uh, eventually toward the end, the mother said, oh, it looks like we both are, our, are playing our girl part. We are competing for the father's attention. Yes. So, but at that point, she was already doing much better. There, there had not been any of those episodes of tempered tantrum or threats. Mm. Although, I think they, in the background, there was for Kela this uh, hostility in some way, these uh, this conflicts, especially with the brother. And, uh, you know, at that point, however, we were toward the the end of the therapy, but I think it was good for her to be able to put in words how she felt about about her brother. Yes, and and it's interesting because during this therapy progress, she's growing and developing quite rapidly. You know, at that age. Yeah, and and also the, this is the the age where during which all these relationships problems between the parents and the siblings happen mm -hmm. and they contribute certainly to the formation of uh, character. Yeah. So I, I think I always, uh, one of the last times I saw her, at that point I felt that I needed to bring up what was going on with her uh, as far as her behavior is concerned, but I, one of her last statements was, Daddy loves me. She said, Daddy loves me and mom more than Tyler. Tyler being the, being the brother. Yeah. So I said, what about Tyler? She said, I hate him. Nobody cares about Tyler. He, he's a retired. Then she says, never mind about it. Let's not talk about it. Mm. So that's how she, in some way, she, she closed the, the argument. But there are a lot of feelings there. She had strong feelings, and then she shut it off right after right, that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Let's not talk about it. So then it went on the plane, whatever. Yeah. Dr. Iacobella, I, I wonder if you could uh, underscore how a medical ergonomist does play therapy different than maybe another therapist who does play therapy? I, I think the difference is that uh, my focus is in uh, allowing the expression of, of these feelings and, and these uh, impulses through play and also actually engage the child in uh, expressing the aggression and the anger directly. Mm -hmm. by, you know, asking to show me the anger, to show me what she was feeling. And this also, I should say, she was, she was very good at fencing me off. It, it was very difficult to have her just to sit and look at me. Or uh, at the beginning, I had asked her to see if she, she could lay down on the couch and do some briefing, but no, she was clear. I'm not, I'm not going to do any of that. Oh, with that thing, no. So she was good with that, but then I have the opportunity when I see emotions to come up to encourage the expression. So that's mm -hmm. one side. And I remember there was one occasion she brought up 
the issue of any evil lies. So we engaged on that. I asked her, well, can, can you show me these evil lies? Uh, let's do them. And then I imitated them. Is that like an angry face or what do you mean? Exactly? Yeah, the, the eyes, evil eyes. So she showed some anger in, in her eyes. Uh-huh. So the, that's one part, uh, encouraging expression. The other part is to, to try to improve the perception that the child has uh, of herself and uh, what she's, uh, she's expressing. Mm-hmm. So understanding that defense is also is the other part. And we are helped because we also can look at the, the body language and what the body language tells us uh, about resistances and defenses. Another, another, game, uh, another play that came up was she became the queen. Actually, she was the princess and the, the king and the queen were dead. I was the prince who had to rescue her. And now she's laying on the couch and she tells me what to do. So this was very directive. Yes. Now she she would know what she wanted to play. So uh, my my part was just to to play along with it uh-huh. and they and help her to, to try to understand it. Yes, very good. And um, so during the therapy, while you're allowing her to express herself through play or directly through you, her behavior was improving at home. Is that right? Yeah, I think already six months within the therapy, those behaviors had had disappeared. There was only there were there was one episode when uh, at the beginning. Probably the first month or first few months from uh, uh, the start of, of the therapy when she had gotten in trouble at home because of, of, she went in the morning, she went to yell at the geese because it looks like they, at night they would keep a geese in the kitchen because they, they had the family geese. They couldn't keep them outside because of of the foxes huh. and other animals. So they would bring them in. But uh, in the morning, they would start to make noise. So Kayla was very unhappy about that. So she went downstairs. She started to yell at them and scare them off. So there was a, a big mess. So that then led to, to a big problem and Kayla crying and being very upset. And then uh, Later on, there was a, an episode uh, with the brother about uh, chips. Uh, the brother bought some chips. Uh, she didn't want to, to have some of them. She wanted like potato them. chips. Yeah, potato chips. Uh-huh. So I uh, ended up in a, in a big argument. I think they were out. She wanted their own bag of potato chips. So there was a big temper tantrum that created a, a lot of problems. Mm. Did, did so the brother have that, his own? Oh, go ahead. After that, there was manageable uh, problems or oppositionality. The parents would say, well, she's doing much better, but Kayla 
with the whole scale. With these days, they were referring to her personality. She was very strong. She wanted what she wanted. And they, the parents were learning how to work with her. Dr. Iacobello, you're highlighting her nature, you know, that that when she was in the womb with mother, that that's a part of her. And as we often say in these webinars and um, figuring out how to manage, you know, who she is, her nature, rather than expecting it to change or modify it in some way. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, if you really want to, to talk in, in uh, those terms, I think that's what I was seeing. I was seeing a child who was emotionally alive, very intense with a strong will. And, you know, when you have a child like that, you are going to need to find a way to work around that rather than trying to squash that nature. She, I think she had a, a strong need for conduct and for being understood and probably in view of her history, it looked like there was something that had gone wrong or was not working uh, right. And uh, she was the kind of girl who will uh, not accept that and will protest. And uh, that's a we create uh, all the problems. Yeah, it's no surprise that during the pandemic, you know, someone like her with such a high energy and a need for emotional connection would be struggling when the whole family, you know, is is separated and struggling on their own. Right. If she didn't have any longer the outlet, if she was any at school or at daycare. Mm. So she felt in some way like she now was closed in. Yes. So Dr. Iacobella, with her brother, um, did he have his own difficulties that contributed, or was it just dealing with Kayla's nature and her troubles? Or well, they, once I well, looks like it happened. Once Kayla was getting more attention from the father, mm -hmm. the brother started to to protest about that, and they be unhappy about it. And now the brother actually will show some hostility toward Kayla, calling her different kinds of names. In fact, what I read before, let's say her last statement, in part that's reflected what the brother would tell her when he was angry. Because the brother apparently was very bright. He was doing well at school while Kela was struggling, there was any problem. So there, there have been many times when the brother had put her down. I see. So that that's a, a create it created this other level of hostility. But when the brother saw that Kela was getting more attention, he started to, to become more unhappy and protest. And uh, that, and then eventually there was an occasion where the brother had had some problems at school. He actually wanted to run out, uh, to run away too, and oh. he had gone so far as packing his things and trying to to leave. So at that point, the mother got really overwhelmed. She 
she ended up having a panic attack because she didn't know what to do. And then that's led to a consultation about the brother uh-huh. uh, with me. And uh, we, we had a one-time consultation. However, I felt that I could not work with the brother because the sibling rivalry was uh, uh, very intense. Uh, for me to start to see the brother would have had a very strong negative effect on Kayla. I see. Who in some way she felt like she owed me. She owed me. And yeah. I was a, a playing sessions guy. Yeah. So I, uh, I had to suggest to the parents that they would look for some, for another therapist for the brother. Yeah. Dr. Yakabal, I'm thinking of, of just how this highlights uh, how difficult it can be to be a parent, you know, when you're trying to manage, for instance, Kayla's nature and the difficulties that come up and then how that changes the dynamic for your other child. And then, by the way, that affects the relationship between the mother and the father. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's. Uh, it, that, I think that's one of uh, the main points, I think, of the of, of uh, working with this child. And I think that's uh, made also decide made me decide to present there because there is the complexity of working with the family system and not just with the child absolutely that that's how i see it too yeah dr Yacobello, how is kayla doing now what's your understanding of how she is well last time i saw her was in june of this year at that time, she was doing well, and the, uh, of course, she was getting ready for the summer. There was no school. There wasn't going to be any school. So this is a time when children tend to do uh, much better. So although I felt that uh, there were uh, deeper issues, I would have been working with Kayla, but uh, the parents felt uh, satisfied with the results they had gotten. Once the pressure was decreased, they discontinued the, the treatment. And uh, I think since then, uh, there, there's been no other, no other follow-up or contact. So, so she's doing better, and it sounds like that was the where the parents were, where Kayla was, you know, she said, this is what's going on, but let's not talk about that. You know, I'm doing better. It almost sounds like. Yeah, right, right. That's, uh, that's I think, what, uh, what uh, yeah. uh, was happening there. Yeah. And, and I'd like to imagine that, you know, you established this uh, great relationship that when she runs into trouble, you know, she can come back to the, the play doctor. <laughs> yeah, I think that, that can happen. I have seen these uh, happening before. Yeah. In the past, that uh, after so many years, a patient comes back, so uh, it, it can happen. I wouldn't be surprised. Dr. Yacobella, before we go to the questions from the audience, anything else about Kayla's story and her therapy with you, you you'd like to mention? Well, I would like to mention uh, for the audience that you know, children' behavior has a meaning, there are emotions. Uh, behind their behavior and their behavior problems. 
So one has to focus on what is the function of a behavior at a certain point in the context of a family, rather than just seeing the, the dysfunctional behavior as a, a general symptom that needs to be expressed, suppressed or treated with medications. So I think children can respond well to therapy uh, just uh, by making contact and allowing expression of those impulses that are suppressed at home or at school. Dr. Iacobello, well said. Um, I think that's wonderful to highlight because sometimes there's this idea of, you know, bad behavior, what do you do to stop it, rather than what's actually going on here? How, how do we get to the bottom of it? And, and what what natural expression is looking for connection? So um, I appreciate you highlighting that. Okay, yes, uh, thank you. So let me see what questions we have from the audience. Kind of along that note, there's the question of, you know, if she's misbehaving, saying no to her to stop a behavior, did that come up in terms of, do they need to say no or have firmer boundaries with her? Or um, I think the audience member just wants to hear, to, to understand that dynamic in terms of what the parents did or needed to do. Well, the parents, there were situations when they needed to be firm and they needed to say no, but also I helped the parents to accept the fact that she was going to have a temper tantrum and they function would be not to try to calm her down and do other things, but just, uh, just be there, let the, the temper tantrum run its course, and then uh, just see what would happen. And eventually what was happening is that either she would go to her room and she would calm down, or she would calm down anyway, and then uh, she would come out and then she would be a regular happy self. So I also, from that point of view, I had to help the parents to be able to tolerate that emotional expression. Dr. Yacobel, that makes me think of when we're working with an adult, how we might say something along the lines of, it's not your feelings that get you into trouble, but it's what you do to get away from your feelings or block your feelings. And in this case, it wasn't Kayla's character or her armor, but it was her parents interfering with the course of the emotional expression and helping them to tolerate those strong feelings. Yes, but I think also, especially the mother, uh, the mother in some way had a higher level of anxiety and they should panic in seeing those behaviors while in the second part, of the therapy, they started to see these behaviors as part of Kela being a child who was growing and developing and learning how to deal with frustration and different emotions. And they also could see the dynamics of what was going on in the family, the, the competition, the jealousy, the part that she was playing was like there was a drama that was being played today. Yes. So there, let's let's see what other questions there are. How would you help the mother help the situation in the dynamic for attention between Kayla and father and her? 
So if, if mother's feeling like the dynamic between Kayla and father, what did, what did you have to help her with in that situation? Well, in that situation, I, 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 would tell, I was telling the mother to just uh, don't get, uh, don't become part uh, of the drama too, or, or the game that, uh, that Kayla was playing. So just to, to look at it and see it happening, because in some way, I think the mother may have been somewhat jealous because Kayla was praising the father for many things, how good he was, how good he was at cooking and the other things. She would do it purposefully. So uh, I was asking the mother not to, to get caught on that and just let it happen and not, not to react. Just stand that that feeling that she had when there was that yeah. competition between her and her daughter. Yeah, yeah. My man. Now this is my man. Right. That it was. <laughs> it was like that. Yeah, in some way. Yeah. yeah. There's a question. What if letting the temper tantrum run its course, as you said, leads to the child upping the anti, uh, upping the ante by breaking furniture, being more destructive? Is there any concern about that? Well, here yeah, it was not not happening with with Kayla because, you know, first of all, she was very young still, five and a half. You know, in that case, I think if the, it didn't happen with Kayla, but if it would happen, I you know the the child may need to be restrained restrained in a gentle way, and be talked to and help the child to regain control. Uh, but this day didn't happen uh, yeah. in the in this case. But I understand that it can happen. I think it's an example of what you're saying of uh, what worked for her may not work for someone else. It may be even though the behaviors may look similar, how you address it or how you handle it may be different. Yeah, right. And you know, they, another case I treated because the aggression was of such a level. And it was manifesting at school too, or in other soldier setting. I actually had to use medications to help the child through that. So I think each case is different. Yes, I actually could be for another case presentation. But it's interesting. I have had the opportunity to treat several children around this age. So uh, I can see a lot of, of the dynamics and the differences. Yes. There's a question. How did the behavior develop in the first place? She, Kayla, been always difficult since when she was small. And the temper tantrums had been present. Uh, she would cry inconsolably. But... Uh, up to the time of the pandemic, they they have been manageable for the parents, I, and they have not been such of a problem. And I think because the Kela was in the outlet of school, and daycare, and the interaction with peers, those, those behaviors were not showing so intensely, but. With the pandemic, is that's where when uh, the problem started. Oh, I, Dr. Iacobel, I realized we didn't 
uh, maybe clarify, she wasn't in school because of the pandemic because they didn't have any kind of uh, virtual uh, Yeah, right. She, option she, she, she was kindergarten. Yeah. Our little kids practically would be stuck at home. Yeah. Renoving. And because the, the mother had to work from home, there was practically she, she was alone. Yeah. So there's a question from the audience. Just um, again, to highlight how you see the difference in play therapy between uh, someone who's trained in medical orgone therapy and someone who's not. Maybe again, you could just clarify. I think somebody who is not trained in uh, medical organ therapy, we focus more on interpretation and, and trying to look uh, at the meaning of what the child does. While uh, for, for us, as a medical ergonomist, the focus is more on the expression of emotions and just uh, helping the child to release the energy. I think our focus is in the interaction with the therapist and what happens in the moment. And I think that can be very therapeutic, although at times may be undervalued. Uh, while we don't focus much on understanding or explanations or uh, so much in uh, talking about uh, these functions. That's why the difference is in the understanding of play and how it is used. And that's that's what my training was in play therapy. It was very cerebral and intellectual. And not that that's a problem and it can help you understand having that perspective, but it, it had its limitations in, in what you do and, and what your goal is in actually working with a child in play therapy. I agree. Yes, I think I think that that's uh, how I see it. I think that the the therapy happens in the interaction and just by playing and providing an environment where anything can be expressed and there are not going to be consequences. And also you you have somebody who listens to you and makes conduct. I think that's is very therapeutic. Yes. One last question, and this is a general question. So maybe if it came up in Kayla's situation, you can uh, answer it th through this case. How do you deal with children when they want something that could be unreasonable, but they persist? They persist, but they persist, but it's it's just not something for the child. It's unreasonable. Again, I, I don't think that that. That question can be answered in abstract because you know it has to do with the child, the right. situation, the family. But I think sometimes you may need you may need to be firm and say no, that's not possible. And just uh, if the child is going to cry or having the temper tantrum, just let it happen, and you know, recognize the feeling of the child, but also be able to be fair. I agree. Dr. Iacobello, before we stop, anything you'd like to leave the audience with? Well, uh, I, I think uh, it's uh, very important for children who are having problems to, to get help at a young age and the, the therapy can help them uh, very much. 
and uh, understanding a tribe and working with the tribe, uh, I think can be can make a difference in the future life of the tribe. And uh, I think people want to think about therapy as a resource that can be very helpful. And uh, I consider medications only as an, an extreme uh, solution when uh, nothing else has been working. Dr. Jacobel, this has been a wonderful presentation. I appreciate your time today. Thank you. Welcome, Dr. Barrett. How do you feel after listening to Kayla's story? What do you think? To me, Kayla's story touches on vital aspects of child-rearing and caring for a family's emotional needs, standing intense displays of emotion from children, exerting parental restraint, flexibility in solving problems based on what actually works, not mechanically performing interventions or following directions, accepting a child's basic nature and supporting it. We are interested in your questions and comments, and I would love to hear your feedback send an email to aco at organomy.org. If you learned something or enjoyed the podcast, I hope you'll consider leaving a rating and review. The best way to help the ACO spread its knowledge is by letting others know about us. I hope you share this podcast with your friends and family and let them know about our work. You can connect with us at organomy.org. I'm Dr. Chris Burrett. Thank you for listening to the A Different Kind of Psychiatry podcast brought to you by the ACO. Since 1968, Psychiatrists affiliated with the American College of Ergonomy have been helping patients discover greater satisfaction, health, and overall well-being in their lives. Whether patients suffer with mental illness, struggle with addiction, or feel unsatisfied with their work lives or relationships, medical orgone therapy, as practiced by the physicians at the ACO, offers a way forward, often without the use of medication. Music